Hey friends, I'm so, so pumped to bring to you guys basically a dating expert. (laughs) This is Kate Warman. She has the heart of dating and she's going to unpack all kinds of cool things about what that means and how that can help you in this confusing world of dating. My name is Katie Bulmer, a former heartbroken and hungover sorority girl. After I stopped looking for love in all the wrong fraternity boys, God blessed me with a husband who shows Christ's love to me every single day. We are parents of two daughters and thousands of others nationwide, and my heart behind everything I do is to give you truths. The world is screaming at you a bunch of lies, and I don't want you to hear those loud voices. I want you to hear the true voices. Grab your earbuds, grab a chai tea, and let's talk about some truth for your 20s. We've gotten so many great reviews lately. It gives me so much joy to read your words here on the podcast. So this review is from Selena GM. So we'll just assume that Selena Gomez, because she obviously listens to the podcast. Hey, Selena. Um, It says, as a woman in her early 20s, I cannot recommend this podcast enough. Katie is the real deal and offers advice that's crucial to hear and understand in the season of life. I have been so encouraged by her as well as the amazing guests she has on. Well, thanks, Selena. We'll pretend that Selena Gomez. I'm just kidding. Whatever Selena left that message. We're so thankful for you and your feedback. And if you guys would do me a solid and leave a review on the podcast, I would love to read your reviews next week. All right, guys, welcome to the podcast, Kate Warman. Hey, Katie, I'm so excited to be here. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm so excited. You guys, I mean, I'm not going to like call the shots or anything, but I'm pretty sure this is going to be one of the number one downloaded episodes. Oh, I receive it. We got all the single ladies in the house today. All the single ladies. No pressure, though. No pressure. Beyonce is calling. All the yes, single ladies. Yes, she is. All the single ladies. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there's so much to unpack, but let's just yeah. go ahead and like just add a little bit of who you are to start with. Totally. I'm Kate Warman. I live here in LA. I can't believe it, but I am a relationship coach, relationship expert, whatever people want to call me. Uh, but I am the proud owner and founder of the Heart of Dating podcast and ministry, which all started with a podcast. So it's a Christian dating podcast. We talk about all things Christian dating, all the ins and outs, all the awkwardness, all of the good parts about it, the hard stuff, all the questions. We go all in. And then through Heart of Dating, it's really expanded to be other things. So I run courses now and especially one on heartbreak that I really love. I'm really just passionate about that topic, um, heartbreak and rejection. And then I do individual one-on-one coaching and I do some speaking around dating now. And I also am currently writing a book. So that's really exciting. That's probably the number one thing going on in my life. Um, But yeah. And one very fun fact everyone should know is I'm doing all of this while still single. So hello, everybody. I'm in the boat with you. Oh my gosh. And thank you for taking the time to record this. I know the middle of book writing season is just so hard to take a breath of air. So I really appreciate you doing that. For <laughs> yes. So excited. Yes, but it is wild, but also the most exciting is a lot of feelings on this journey, but it's all good. <laughs> 
Yes. Well, I have to tell you, I found you well through a few different ways, but I remember finding you on Instagram and like every quote you share, I promise I'm like, oh my gosh, everyone needs to read this. Oh my gosh. I'm like, I've saved so many of them. I've shared so many of them. Oh, so good. for sure, people need to follow you guys on Instagram. Oh, thanks, Katie. Yeah. There'll be moments where I like say something and I'm like, oh, I need to write that down. <laughs> because I mean, it's not that I just like brilliantly always come up with quotes, but I'm always talking about this subject. So sometimes I just pop things out and I'm like, yep, this is a hard truth. And the reason why I, I can say it is because I'm like living it or have lived it or really deeply feel it. So that's why I think it's also so fun to do this because I really get what the single ladies are feeling. I really get it. Yeah. You get it and you communicate it so well. So when did you start Heart of Dating and why? So it's nuts to say it's only been two years. To me, it seems like it's been, yeah, because so much has happened in just this short amount of time, to be honest. Um, But that's just the testimony of what God can do, to be honest with you. Um, So I would say, though, my journey of getting here obviously started way before that. Um, And I had people kind of prophesy and share with me over the years, like, Kate, you are going to share your story of dating. And I remember hearing this years like year after year and being like, that's funny. That's not going to happen. Like, no way. Like, because my, a lot of my history, a lot of my story, a lot of my healing journey has been because of relationships and bad things that have happened in dating and me losing myself. And so, but I just didn't ever really want to share that with people. (laughs) I was like, this is great. I'm glad I'm healing from it and can share it with close people, but to the masses to make it a ministry. Oh my goodness. No. Um, but you know, God kept working on my heart. People kept saying like, no, this is, I really think that you're supposed to do that. And I was like, okay, well, I don't know, but thanks for saying that. And it wasn't until my mentor a few years ago, we were sitting and she's like, you know, okay, I just really feel it on my heart that you're going to be talking in the dating space. And I was like, why in the world does everyone keep saying this? I was like, well, geez, I really trust you. You're mentoring me. I was like, if you say so, like I'm open to it. And she's like, why don't we press into that, pray through it and I will help guide you. And so it was really that that started the journey of, okay, me talking about it more, me speaking about it more. And then it led into me starting the podcast. Even when I wanted to start a podcast, I didn't really want it to be on dating. But as I prayed, I kept feeling God put on my heart dating. And I was like, no, Lord, no, I'm not doing that. Like, I'm a single woman. No one's going to believe me. What do I have to say? I've never interviewed anyone. Anyway, I just think it's so cool to really see when you step into something, how God can bless it especially when you just are humbly saying, sure, use me, because this isn't like my dream's desire. It was never my dream to be like a dating coach, to be honest, (laughs) you know, but now it is because he's brought me through it. He's empowered me in it and I love it. I'm super passionate about it and it makes sense. But um, yeah, I just kind of stepped in blindly and he has totally led every direction and every step of it. So it's been fun and that's where we are today. It's kind of wild. So even think about it. I feel like that's the most, gosh, that's such a, we could talk a whole podcast just about that, you know, because it's true. Like I've been, had the uh, privilege of interviewing a lot of incredible women and no one says like they, they sought out to do something or, or maybe God, you know, just totally had a blindsided 
hurt maybe that ended up becoming a whole ministry. I think that's so powerful. Yeah. And that some of your always said that, you know, the test ends up being the testimony and those things that you're walking through in those hurtful relationships are now like empowering and helping so many women. That's so incredible. Mm. On the other side of all your problems, God has a promise within that. And that sounds really cliche, but I believe it. And that I, I knew that it was true. Mm. And at first I really thought that it was just for myself and to share with a few people, but it was so clear when I started Heart of Dating, the biggest thing God revealed to me was like, Kate, this isn't just your story. This is also my story, my story of healing, my story of redemption. And I want you to share that with other people because there are women hurting, there are women being abused, there are women who are lost and men too. And I want you to speak to them because I brought you this far, not just to keep this to yourself. And I was like, all right, well, <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> You put, it that way. you put it that way. I was like, all right. And I felt this just deep sense. Like if you step out, I will guide you. Like don't fear because I had mm. a lot of fear being like, oh, I'm not qualified. You know, like all the things that just said, and it's just so clear. I mean, every step of the way, I think that that is a testament to, we do something on our heart, but we do it humbly. We commit continue to submit it to God and we say whatever you want to do with this. I don't have like this crazy expectation that's for myself. Um, I have an expectation of whatever a God-sized dream that you've put there that you and you do whatever you want with it, you know, and just keep following that intuition, that will, that um, pressing on your heart. We can, again, go into a whole podcast about that, Katie. Yeah. So I'm not trying to go okay. into all that right now, but there you go. <laughs> No, it's so good. I just think it's cool because a lot of young women listen to this and, and I hear those excuses. Well, I'm not good enough. I'm not qualified enough, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, um, God never cho- right? chooses the person who has the you know PhD in what they're going to do. It's just you have the story and you're the oh girl my gosh, for the so job. So many times so. in the Bible, he's never chosen the most qualified person. Nobody. Yeah. Everybody is like the least expecting person. So if you think that's you, just know God can use you. He can use you. You don't have to be the most qualified with the degree, with all the experience. He can use you and he wants to. Those are the people he wants to use. He's more unexpected than we think. Amen. <laughs> amen. Amen. I'm like over here, praise hands. Like, yes, yes. <laughs> Okay, so so much to talk about with dating. Um, but first, I want to just like address my single friends and your single friends, because a lot of times in the single stage, a lot of girls are like rushing to the next step. You know, I, I can't wait to get married. I can't wait to for kids and all that stuff. And that is a beautiful mm-hmm. stage. But so is the single stage. So as someone who has, you know, studied this and lived in this how can you kind of help and encourage our single ladies? So I hear it. And I think that we have to get on the other side of seeing singleness as a disease. I think a lot of times we're like, oh my gosh, this Mm. is a season that I need to end as soon as possible. And if we have that mentality, it's going to suck, basically. It really will. So if you're like, oh my gosh, comparing myself at once I see someone else getting engaged or this relationship didn't pan out and now my singleness sucks. Like, no, we need to flip that. Like, I think so many things in our life is all about how we see it and the mentality we choose to have because no one makes us and forces us into a mentality. We have control over our thoughts. Nobody else does. So if we are hating our singleness, if we are really worn out in this season, we actually have to take ownership of that. And there's a beauty when we can start seeing, you know what? Singleness is not a disease. Let me first start by going to God's word about what he says about singleness. And obviously we can all quote 1 Corinthians 7, 32 to 35, you know, and 
and Paul's talking about how incredible singleness is. And really what he says in verse 35 is, I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. And I think that a lot of times we read like this you know, these verses in Corinthians and we're like, ah, but okay. Like we hear you, Paul, but I honestly think that we can look at this and say, wow, that this is incredible. Like I get to be free of anxieties in this season. I don't really have to worry about a lot, but myself and getting myself right with God and doing things that I love and serving the kingdom in really big ways. Like I don't have to have the anxieties of a family and taking care of children. And I don't have to have the yeah. limitations of thinking about everyone else's schedule. Like we have the gifts of freedom and time and there's a lot less anxiety within that. Not that there is an anxiety with work and with situations, but there's just a little bit less than having all the responsibilities of being a parent or even a wife. And that is a gift. Once I start realizing, whoa, this is incredible actually. Um, and for all the girls listening that, yeah, they might be getting married young. Like I'm not going to dog on anybody getting married young. That's totally, if that's God's will for you, amazing. But I will tell you what, there is a huge blessing to also figuring yourself out in your 20s. Like I look back at my age from 20 to 30 and I'm like, whoa, that is where God transformed me, where I found out way deeper who God was, where I found out way deeper who I was, truly worked through all the lies I believed about myself. and and found freedom and healing and wholeness. And I am so glad I had those years in my 20s specifically to figure those things out so that I didn't have to painfully figure it out in marriage. Because I'll tell you what, I have friends that got married and they have great marriages today, but they've told me like, my gosh, like if I wish I had worked through some of these things before I got married, to be honest, because it was way more of a struggle to, to work through these things with my husband yeah. than if I had gone and sought some of these healing, sought some of the healing or sought through working through the lies I believed about myself instead of hoping that my husband would fill those voids, right? Because it's never going to be able to do that. Um, so, so much self-reflection in this time, so much freedom that we get and flexibility. Oh my goodness. And then I would say what is so beautiful about this time too is just really, like it says in Corinthians, undivided devotion to the Lord being able to grow in God, be godly. I mean, when we are trying to live like disciples of Christ, Jesus was single. And I'm like, I want to be as great as as Jesus-like as I possibly can, you know, especially in my singleness years, because I want to be able to bring that into my marriage and into eventually motherhood. So why don't I try to form as many disciplines in my life as possible to understand God's heart? Like, you know, when we get married, when we have kids, we won't have quite as much time to read the devotionals that we want to read or the Bible quite as much. Yeah. Not that it's impossible, but right now I have the freedom and the time to be able to do that. And everybody listening saying, well, I'm busy. I'm busy with school. I'm busy mm -hmm. with work. You still can have time. <laughs> like You still can make, we choose the way yeah. we spend our time. And um, I, I think it's great. Live a full, vibrant life in your singleness, but don't do it outside of figuring out what you're passionate about, spending time with God, growing and understanding who you are, like be proactive in those areas right now. That It's a gift. I mean, I'm on fire right now talking about it, Katie, because I love this season more than anything. 
I'm so glad. Oh my gosh. I'm sitting here nodding my head so hard. I think it's going to fall <laughs> off. But um, you said two things I have yeah. to note on. So um, yeah, talking about your friends that got married and they realized some of those things they wish they would have unpacked. I heard it said that there are no marriage problems. There are just single people problems in a marriage. Ooh, and so, okay. yeah. And so if we can work through our, we all have baggage. It's okay. But if we can work through that junk beforehand, what a yeah. gift to give our future yeah. spouse. You know, I've been through counseling. I've got out of debt. I've got right that conversation with my dad or whatever it is that's that's kind of weighing us down. Like those are gifts you can give your future spouse and not having to work all that when you're in your marriage, you know? Um, and the other thing I was gonna mention, it's true, you know, this time it is busier when you have kids. And I I never no one ever told me that or I just didn't understand. But yeah, I mean, I have to like get up at 6am, you know, make the breakfasts, make the lunches, do the school pickup, do the after school errands to all the things. And it's a, it's a gift too. It's a stage of life, but it is definitely a little bit busier than those single times. And so what a wonderful gift to be able to use that time to be your rock star version of yourself. So just something to point out like that. I never realized on that other side of being so busy, cherish those times when you don't have to run the kids to all the things. <laughs> yeah, Katie, it is just so true. We really do. We have these gifts of freedom and time and singleness. And I know I am going to so enjoy the gift of being a wife in that season. And then the gift eventually one day of being a mother, if God willing. But there's also something so cool about like, hey, I can just like go to Disneyland if I want to, like I did last night, to be honest with you. (laughs) And I can go on a trip this weekend if I wanted to. And actually in this book writing season, I've taken, I was away from home for six weeks and that was such a gift to be able to do that. And um, it was mainly because I'm single right now and I can do that, you know, which is so cool. (laughs) I mean, there's other factors. I work for myself. So yes, that is one, but just in fact that I don't have to worry about other people's schedules and I can, I can really go wherever God wants me to go. Like literally being like, God, wherever, whatever you want to do, I'm here for it. <laughs> Let's go, you know? And that's yeah. exciting. I love that. And that you recognize that stage. A lot of people don't recognize it. So that's just beautiful to just, you know, kind of bask in this, this yeah. stage because, you know, it won't last forever. So that's awesome. Um, okay. So uh, kind of, you mentioned this earlier and it's a perfect yeah. transition, but this month we're talking about relational wellness and a lot of women get tied up in thinking, you know, well, I, I want to become this great person. I want to go travel. I want to, I don't know, go to salsa lessons. I'm totally making that up, but just something that they're passionate about, but they tell themselves, well, I'll wait until I get married. I'll wait until do all those fun things when I get, when I get married. And this quote from Jerry Maguire that is it's the worst that you complete me like it makes an adorable movie line but it is so untrue so can you just kind of talk to that of like waiting for that guy to oh my gosh you? yes and this is all like the whole quote-unquote soulmate thing like I just okay there we are not two half people coming together to create like a full whole thing we are supposed to be two whole people fully autonomous with our own life, with our own souls, with our own relationship with God, with our own mission. 
intention that God has put in our heart outside of the other person coming together to then join forces to build something even greater for the kingdom. That is the ultimate goal, right? And so um, I think that, you know, within that, like I just said, if we break it down, you're a person with your own relationship with God. Continue in your own relationship with God. Grow in God. Grow in godliness. But also with your own life, aka live your life, girl. I mean, I'm planning a a trip to the south of France in the spring, and I would love to go there with a man because I know it's going to be romantic and beautiful and just um, amazing. But like, I want to do that now. And I can go again with a spouse. That's going to be great. And hopefully, and I pray I'm going to just going to claim it right now. Yes, I will do that. But I'm not going to stop yeah. living my life waiting for something for God to deliver on that promise. I know he's going to. I really feel that in my heart through confirmation and prayer. But I don't know the exact timing of when, but I know that God isn't calling me to just not do anything. It's basically the similar thing with why I tell people also this whole waiting to date, like waiting on God. If we're waiting so much and not being active, then nothing's going to happen. We need to be active in this process as well. Um, But we cannot idolize this dream, idolize it and make it so much so that like I'm going to stop living and doing incredible things and I'm going to stop letting God use me to do incredible things until I find a husband. You know, like this is why I'm so passionate about single women, even in ministry, because you don't see it as often or single men in ministry. I think it's so incredible. We often see just the powerhouse married couple together. And now that I am a single woman in ministry, I'm like, wow, there's something actually so beautiful about this and kind of breaking the barrier that it's not just you need a husband to then create a ministry, right? You can actually be used so huge right now in your singleness. And I think that I'm just excited to see the tides changing as I see more singles rise up in ministry. Um, but I'm I'm really passionate about that. And I am so also about like ministries together as a couple. But I think that we, God has created us with a vision and a purpose. It is in the DNA of your being. Go after it. Do not wait. Did Jesus wait? If Jesus had waited till he was married, nothing would be going on right now. Like, would we even all be Christians? Like, yeah. you know, like, because he would, I mean, he did this this all in his singleness year. So I just think that don't let this dream of being married one day stop you from doing the things on your heart. And here, if you want to be a mother, I hear a lot of women saying this, but I want to be a mother and this is just not happening. Then find ways to be mothering in your life right now. Mother a younger person. If you are in your 20s, mother a high school student, right? Mentor somebody, be motherly to somebody in your life. If you want romance, then romance yourself. (laughs) Like take yourself out on dates. Romance your friends. Write a great love letter of affirmation to a best friend of yours. You know, uh, allow those elements. Don't just starve your life of these amazing things you feel like you desire. Do them right now. I think that we can take ownership of the fact that we can actually provide ourselves with so many of the things we're desiring (laughs) and God can as well. But like, we kind of just sit here waiting like, well, I can't, I guess I won't have romance. And well, I guess I won't know what it's like to be a mother. I'm like, you can add those things to your life. It may not be exactly the picture of what you're saying, but you can do that right now. (laughs) So I'm all about ownership, Katie. So that's kind of where I'm at with that. And I think that on the very last thing I'll say on this is the you complete me thing. It's again, like, 
Like the example we gave earlier, like you do not want to rush into the marriage thinking like, oh, this person's going to fill all my voids. There is not a person on this planet that can make you feel happy and entertained for the rest of your life. Not even Oprah Winfrey. And I love Oprah. But there is nobody <laughs> on this planet that will make you feel amazing for the rest of your life. That is just a hard fact you got to know. Like This is like... <laughs> so... <laughs> so we got to just remove so that because there's a lot of like, oh, but like eventually I'll get that. I'm like, and and this person will be so amazing. It'll be, we fantasize over this idea so much and there's going to be great parts about it, but love is a choice and it's hard and it's every single day choosing it. And some days you don't choose, like you want to be in love. Some days you don't feel all that happy and you have to choose because you're under covenant. So anywho, lots of thoughts on that one, Katie. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay. I will give you credit, but henceforth and forevermore, when I have a conversation with a young girl about wanting to get married, wanting to have babies, that was brilliant. We'll yes. serve in your church nursery. Like you can still have those things. I was actually just talking to my hairdresser the other day. She went through a breakup recently, but for Valentine's Day, she already ordered herself chocolate covered strawberries. Like <laughs> that's awesome. Yes, girl. Love your hairdresser. I love that is exactly too. it. <laughs> That is it. You write yourself love letters. I mean, write it now and deliver it to yourself on Valentine's Day, whenever that is. Or like, or for your birthday. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, I wanted. I mean, we can do these things. We could romance ourselves. It's amazing. Give it to your friend and be like, hey, will you send a reminder and then send me that letter on my birthday? That'll make me feel so loved. I'll forget about it by then. And then you get it and you're like, I feel so romanced right now and so loved because you're doing it for yourself. That's <laughs> you know? so good. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I'm so okay. I want to like just plaster that on a billboard somewhere. That's really, really good. Okay. So, um, a lot of times another thing I get when talking to young people is this looking for love in all the wrong places. And a lot of times it's just a symptom of, of loneliness or something deeper than they just, they just don't want to be alone. They're scared of of being alone or whatever it is. So can, I guess just kind of unpacking what's underneath that looking for love in all the wrong places. Yeah, I think so. The first thing I just I say this a lot to women that I coach is there's a difference between anxiously searching and contently being open to finding someone. And I think the difference is when we're anxiously searching, A, we're not trusting really in God's plans and in his timing. And we say that God is good, but we're not really believing it because we're so anxious and we're trying to control the situation. Um, I think it's totally fine. And I think we might talk about this later, having the desire for marriage, totally an incredible thing that you're allowed to have, that you should have. It's a beautiful desire. But be contently open to finding someone. And I think that this gets into the deeper core issue. When I coach women one-on-one specifically, you know, I'm not just trying to be Will Smith Hitch over here being like, hey, let's get you a date. It's really deeper than that. Before we can go into the dating one-on-one and how to go out on dates, we actually need to first address what is your relationship with God like and what is your relationship with yourself like? Because if we don't believe we are deserving of a relationship, if we believe we we are the problem, or if we believe that God is the problem, all of those are a formula for incredible disappointment and feelings of rejection. God's rejected me. A man's rejected me. I'm rejecting me, whatever it is. And so we need to kind of address those issues first. So do you really believe that God is a good God? Like truly, do you believe it? Because Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we're like, "Mm, 
well, God isn't delivering on my husband yet. So I don't know what's going on. He's delivering for everybody else. I'm like, yeah, but he never guaranteed you a timeline. Why are you forcing him on that? Like he's, he's doing 10,000 things right now. You're just aware, uh, aware of maybe like five of them, but you don't know what he's doing in that man's life or what he's trying to do in your life. And meanwhile, you're focusing on how that isn't happening for you yet. And you're missing the beautiful journey, the beautiful things he's trying to put right in front of you right now. And then also, I think so much of this, Katie, has to do with how we see ourselves. I think that so often if we really get to the core about it, so many women don't feel really all that deserving. Mm -hmm. Like if they really found the true man right now, I don't even know if they would be ready for it because they don't see themselves with the same eyes that God sees them. They don't love themselves the way that God loves them. They don't even know what they have to bring or to offer to a relationship. And so I think that so often when we get so run down in the dating process, it often comes back to, are we really okay though with just ourselves? I think God's kind of waiting for all of us to figure that out. Like, hey, are you okay though just by yourself, with yourself, with who you are, with the person I've uniquely created you to be? Are you okay with that identity? Are you okay with your own company? Um, And for me, this was a really long, hard journey to figure out. And a part of this is has been me literally taking myself on dates, dating myself, as cliche as it sounds, literally figuring out like, who is Kate? Why do I actually love Kate? Because when I go into a room and talk to a guy, then I'm showing up with like, hey, I'm not nervous and not as nervous or I'm not as disqualifying myself to talk from the to the really cute guy because I know what I have to offer. I know what I have to offer and I love myself and I'm confident in that because God has, has uniquely created me in this way. Um, and so I believe that if we address these core issues, the core, do I really believe that God is good? Do I really believe that I'm deserving? Do I think I am good? Do I see myself the way God sees me? If we can address those things first, then we can step into dating with way more health, way more wholeness, and way more prepared to fight against rejection, which might happen and probably does a lot of the time, actually. (laughs) Sorry for everybody here, but rejection is going to continue to happen. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Everything you're saying, I'm just like, I can't even handle how good this is. You are, thank you for sharing every word. This is so good. But this is the perfect transition. You mentioned something called a rejection shield. Can Mm -hmm. you like unpack that? Yes. So um, a rejection shield comes on the tails of a story that I had of a few years ago. I won't go into all the details, but I thought I was going to marry a man, thought he was like the bee's knees and like everybody around us also thought we were going to totally get married. It was a very healthy relationship and randomly out of nowhere, it ended. And girl, I did not see it coming. Let me tell you. I was like, I'm sorry, what? It's ending? Uh, But before we actually made the final decision, we actually decided to take a break to really process what are we both feeling about this? Like what's going on here? And this is where the rejection shield thing came in because I decided I had come so far in my healing journey already. And this was probably the most jarring breakup because it was actually one of the first truly healthy relationships I ever had. And I was like, I'm sorry, this is so weird, God. Like I really thought I was going to marry this man. And now he's like saying he's not sure. So will you help me to fight this rejection in a different way? Will you help me to not question my worth and value? Will you help me to not question you because this doesn't make any sense? And this is where I had to create my rejection shield. So in the break, God prompted me, you know what? 
instead of letting these lies about yourself come in that usually come at the face of rejection, lies like I'm not lovable or I'm too much or that I'm never going to find someone or this is a big one. If I had only done these things differently, maybe he wouldn't be ending it mm. um, or maybe I'm not X, Y, Z enough, like not attractive enough, interesting enough. Maybe I'm not this enough for him. You know, all those lies, instead of believing those typical things, let me instead identify what it is are my most common lies I believe in rejection, most common lies I believe about myself, and allow God to help me see the truth so that in the moment, if he was going to reject me, if he was going to break up with me, I wasn't going to allow those lies to come into my brain at all. So basically what happened is during the breakup, um, when we had the breakup conversation, I brought a notebook where I created this quote unquote rejection shield with the truths against the lies, the truth of the main lies that come came to me in the face of rejection. I wrote down the absolute truths. I wrote them in my notebook. And when he began talking, I literally, girl, I opened up to the page to that. And as he was breaking up with me, I just looked down and I read these truths because I was like, you know what? The enemy is trying to throw these arrows at me right now. And I'm not going to let it prick me. I'm going to have my shield up. Ephesians 6, put on the armor of God. I'm having the shield right now. And they're not going to get to my heart because even though this doesn't really make any sense to me, I know that God will reveal through time a bigger purpose to why this is happening. And I'm not going to allow myself to question myself. It's going to hurt and I'm going to grieve it. And yeah, all of those things are going to happen, but I'm not going to allow myself to question the identity that I have so worked hard after all these bad things in my life to reclaim about myself. And so that is the rejection shield in essence. It's really coming to, and I think we can make these rejection shields for little rejection as well. You know, you are putting yourself out there with a guy. You go on a date with a guy. I mean, write down and and figure out what your rejection shield is in advance. Read over that and empower yourself that. Walk walk into that date, walk into that situation, knowing the truth about yourself. Because we need to rewire these thoughts, right? And this happens through a process of consistently doing it. It's not a one-time snap your fingers. My thoughts are totally different about myself. This is a constant process. And so if you know that that you are potentially worried about a rejection happening or your that fear of rejection is creeping in, you need to equip yourselves. We have to be proactive about this. And so because I was able to do that in that breakup, even though it hurt like heck and I grieved and I cried and it was very painful, I didn't question myself. I didn't question God's plans for me, even though, again, it made no sense, Katie. And so that's what I try to share with people. Like, I love that story. I love the picture of creating the shield because I believe we have the power, again, to control our thoughts, but we have to take we have to be active in the decision to do that. Otherwise, the enemy is going to be like, oh, you're weak right now. And I'm just going to throw all these lies at you and they're going to stick to you. And you're going to find yourself in a deep pit of grief. But not only that, but of self-loathing and self-questioning and doubt. And it's going to be way worse for you in the long run. So my goal with rejection is to say it's never going to stop. It's going to happen in a variety of ways in your life. You know, you can't control what other people do. So instead of saying, okay, I'm going to live my life in fear of rejection, I'm going to come to my life saying, you know what? No, I know rejection is going to happen, but I want to come equipped for the battle of rejection so that if it does come my direction, it will prick me. It'll hit my little armor, but it's not going to take me down. (laughs) That is so powerful. (laughs) And even like with anything in life, you know, you in the middle of your book writing process, like in the middle of goodness, just putting an Instagram post out there, like you might not get the results you want and you may not get the people 
whatever it is that you're hoping for, it may not work out your dream way, but by golly, like this is the truth of what God says you are. This is the truth of who he says you are. Mm -hmm. And that is that my mind is just like, yes, yes. that is And it's these simple things that people don't do. And then we think like, oh, but that's so easy. Like whatever. I'm like, no, these are the simple, but powerful things we need to do. The simple, small steps. Sometimes it's not a giant, crazy thing. It's like these simple things of continuously working to take ownership of my mind, to take every thought captive, to constantly be renewed by the transformation of my mind. Constantly being renewed means constantly taking these steps. It's not a one-time thing again. So we need to take ownership of creating that um, discipline and that protection for ourselves in our lives daily. Oh man, so powerful rejection shield. We need we need to get that on a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Quick interruption to let you know that I have a ton of freebies over at katiebulmer.life. I have a free dating plan. This is wildly one of my most popular freebies. It helps you decide what is important when it comes to dating. I also have a free guide if you are a leader in your sorority. Sometimes it can be overwhelming, like how do you lead well and also have a life? I made you a free guide on how to best serve, delegate, and lead your sorority sisters. Also, I give my book away free there, a digital download on my website. It's all there. The easiest ways to get there are, like I said, katiebulmer.life, or if you find me on Instagram, also at katiebulmerlife, the link is right there to all of the goodness. And hey, while you're there, there's also some really cute Comfort Colors t-shirts for sale. Just saying. So take advantage of those freebies. I made them for you with you in mind. The girls who have already used them have given me great feedback, and I want to share them with you as well. So Check it out, katiebulmer.life or katiebulmerlife on Instagram. Okay, so this subject of dating, you know, is confused, it's misrepresented. We have these terrible apps like Tinder and whatever, and we don't even know what is healthy dating. And and in this confusing world where it's certainly not on TV or, or modeled for us very well, can you just give some pointers to the girls listening? Like, how do you date in today's culture? Are there are there ways or there suggestions? Yes. First of all, go listen to Heart of Dating. We talk about it every yeah. week. <laughs> but um, other than that, shameless plug, uh, no, here's a few basic things. I think the number one issue I see, especially with Christians in dating, um, is we need to take some of the pressure off. I think that overall culture has like too little pressure on the situation. We're kind of in a hookup culture, but I think in the Christian church, we kind of take a little bit of the opposite end and we have so much pressure on it that it's debilitating. And because of that, nobody is actually dating. So my first challenge is take the pressure off and actually go on dates more and put yourself out there more. You do not need to know if this is going to be your husband before you go out with them, like truly. So we need to see dating as a means to A, learn more about yourself. Um, how do I show up with a person of the opposite gender that I like? What are the insecurities I'm feeling right now? How am I communicating with somebody of the opposite gender? You learn so much about yourself in dating. (laughs) And so that's different than just having a girlfriend. It's so different. So see it as a way to really learn more about yourself. Also see it as a way to just gain 
perspective. So I think that the beautiful part is that God doesn't create a boring human being. So while this person may not end up being your husband, this is an opportunity to learn more about their worldview, where they came from, just grow in perspective, grow in appreciating somebody that God uniquely created that's different from yourself. And we don't have to see it as a waste of time if we're seeing it as a beautiful gift to learn about somebody new that God's created. Um, so we learn so learn about people and grow in perspective and then also date to figure out what you're looking for. I think it's really mm. easy for us to create a list of like here are the top things I'm looking for like someone who's kind, someone who loves Jesus, someone who is honest. Okay, that's basic, but why are those things important to you? And you won't know that unless you start dating and figuring out, oh, like the, I saw the, the integrity of this person, this man, and that attracts me. Like I saw it played out and I really, really love that. Or I dated this guy who was super romantic and really, really incredibly thoughtful. And that made me feel so cared for, but you won't know that unless you start dating. And so oftentimes I, women come to me like, here's a list of things I'm looking for. I'm like, great. Why is that important to you? What do you know about yourself that this is an important value to you or something that you really desire in a relationship? Why is that important to you? So date to figure out what you're looking for. Um, and overall, we can see dating as a fun experience. You know, I, I offer guidelines and certain specificity things like just things to do and be aware of in your first few dates because in order for this to not be such a monotonous process, I don't recommend going on a four to six hour first date. Do not recommend yeah. that. I think 90 minutes is a great first date cap. Like keep it to 90 minutes, you know, Therefore, if you don't like the person, you don't feel like you just wasted six hours with somebody that you don't really want to ever talk to again. <laughs> so 90 minutes, keep it to 90 minutes. Um, it also leaves a level of intrigue. Even if you really like the person, great. Now you can have a really awesome second date and really look forward to it. Uh, don't. I also offer um, some advice on just physical boundaries. Don't kiss the person, I, at, for, especially not in the beginning. If you do these things, and the reason why I get specific on it and just offer these guidelines is because if it doesn't work out, it doesn't have to be the most awkward thing on the planet. If you didn't spend like days upon days upon days with them because you have six hour dates every time, if you spent 90 minute dates with the person, if you never kissed them, if you just had some good fun interactions, there's no reason why you can't then be friends with them afterwards. There's truly no reason. <laughs> um, now, obviously, if it's a deep relationship and you're, you, this is your boyfriend and you, there's way more history, I'm not saying right away you can be friends. I'm not saying you can't be friends, but I'm saying, I'm talking about the beginning of dating, seeing the beginning of dating in a new way, getting excited about it. Um, and I just want to make a challenge to the ladies that ladies, you can talk to guys. You can drop the hanky. We can give guys an open door. And there is nothing unbiblical about that. I think women, we're like complaining. No guys are asking us out. But we're also not actually talking to guys. And we're not being curious. We're not putting ourselves out there in any way. We're not flirting in any way. And because of that, we're like getting super disappointed. And I think, again, we got to take ownership of that. <laughs> and showing a guy interest, there's nothing wrong with that. It's not unbiblical at all. Uh, so you got to stop me cause I'm just going to keep going. So <laughs> no, this is so good. This is, oh my gosh. Um, everything I say, I'm sorry. Every time you get done talking, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so good. But oh, it like, there's so much to talk about with 
how yeah. to date differently. Um, but this is yeah. just the tip of the iceberg of like, I ultimately see, you know, the myth of like, there's no good guys out there. It, it's a myth. There are good men yeah. out there. And I just, any woman who is saying that listening, we need to stop doing that. We need to stop that. God created amazing men on this planet. And I understand you've had bad experiences with guys, or I understand guys have maybe misled you and um, but it does not mean that there isn't a single good Christian man on the planet who can pursue. I mean, there are amazing men. So I just, I don't want to compartmentalize guys in that way because feeding that lie is not helping the issue of better dating happening. It's just growing more resentment for our brothers and that's not going to end up helping us at all. Yes. <laughs> Yes. I'm curious your thoughts on this. This is something that I say a lot. I, I was a marketing major, so I'm kind of coming at this through an angle of um, of just women are, are big sayers in, in trends and in marketing and in what buying and all that kind of stuff. So my, my, what I like to say is that women set the bar far more than they realize. So if women decide, no, I will not, not date a guy who only wants to leave me to the bedroom. No, I will not date a guy who, you know, gets sloppy drunk and, you know, talks to me vulgarly or whatever it is, like I, I'm going to set a higher standard and not settle. I argue that men would rise up to chase our hearts because men do love to pursue in romance and, yeah. and, pursue women. So I'm just curious, what do you think about that? I totally agree. I 100% agree if we have a higher expectation in a good way, but also that we yeah. encourage them and we don't tear them down. It's the same way when you, if we talk about when you're actually in a relationship, speaking to a man, presenting things as a need as a, um, a a request versus a demand is very different. A guy will take that very differently. So if we are constantly like, you guys suck and you're not doing things right, the guys are not going to hear that and be like, woohoo, I want to do something different. Yeah. <laughs> if we try to yeah. seek to understand and if we are like, oh, you know, like, why aren't you like, really, why is this happening? I'm curious, why are you fearful of rejection or what's going on here? I just think we need to change the narrative and try to better seek to understand. And then to your point also, yeah, of course, in the situations where we are being mistreated, we need to stand up for ourselves and take ownership of that as well. You know, if a guy is wanting to be in a constantly acting like he's just in a friendationship with you, you're, you're playing a part in that if you're allowing it to continue to happen. So we can't go to complain to all of our girlfriends if we keep texting him back or we set or we continually break our own boundaries we need to take ownership of the fact that a I, I didn't have a conversation with him so I need to tell him I'm uncomfortable with this B I've set a boundary and then I broke it so I need to take ownership of the fact that I broke that boundary. I think that there's a lot that we can also do in those situations um, to stand up for ourselves but take ownership of when we are kind of not doing that is that making sense? <laughs> Yeah, no, that's good. Okay. So you touched on something on physical boundaries and I'm going off script yeah. with you here, yeah. but I, I think it's super important. I'd love for you to unpack, you know, you mentioned not kissing on a first date, but this is something again, so under talked about in mm. our culture. Um, I, I hear a lot of girls say, you know, I don't want to have sex when I get married, or at least I, I want to um, pursue holiness. I want to pursue purity, yeah. but they get confused and, and he's cute and they're making out and, you know, yeah. all the things and they, they blur those lines. Can you give us some, some guidance there? Yeah, I think that physical intimacy, I think there's so many elements to this conversation. Cause I think 
on yeah. there's two main sides that I see. One, we've suppressed our sexuality mainly because of purity culture and some bad, more negative or shaming messages from that. Because of that, we're like sexuality is bad. So I can't even touch this person's hand because that's going to be, oh my gosh. And we are so uncomfortable yeah. with it that um, it really is flattens the way God has created us because God created sex and our sexuality and said, all of it is good. But he also said, yeah. there's certain things that he wants to wait for us to do out of the protection for ourselves, out of the beauty of what he's created it for, which is the safety of marriage. And so I think though, because of some shaming messages, we've kind of lost that and we become really awkward. And that's why some relationships like flirting, people don't know how to even flirt. And I'm like, this is fine. Like you can touch a person's arm and not feel sinful about that. Um, and they also, there's this view within that side, because there's, I'm going to get to the other side, within that side, that if you do anything, if you even kiss at all, it means you're going zero to 60. <laughs> like there is no in-between yeah. ground. There is, if I cross anything, if I, or if I just even kiss or do anything physical, it means that I'm going to have sex. And that makes it so that we're like animals, you know, it's like, but we are human <laughs> beings. <laughs> we are not an animal that has animalistic desires that I cannot control. And so, um, there's, that's one end of the sexuality conversation. The other end is where we, we really actually have dabbled in sexuality. And then we feel ashamed about it and don't know how what the balance is. Or maybe we are in environments where all of our friends are kind of making out and going across boundaries and where none of us are really keeping each other accountable. So both of these things are happening. There's both sides of the equations. And I would say my challenge to everybody is to really come back to biblically, what is your sexual ethic? Why is that your sexual ethic? And if you know yourself, know yourself in this and figure out exactly what your boundary is. Um, so for me, I know what that is because I lie in the example of number two, where I have had sexual experiences in the past. And I know that is hard for me. So because of that, I have to be real about that in relationship, that that's something I've struggled with. And therefore, and I know my sexual ethic, I know that I want to wait to have sex until marriage. And so because of that, I also want to maintain a level of, um, a limiting a level of physical intimacy in the relationship. And that's safe for me because I know what, what I might do in temptation if this level is not kept, if this boundary is not kept. So what I usually do in relationship is I don't kiss someone until I really know where I stand with them. And that keeps me on a safe page of like my heart is really trying to see them in a way of true discernment and wisdom. I'm I'm really figuring out, do I connect with them emotionally on a friendship level, spiritually? And, but I wait to add some of the physical in, you know, I wait because I know that for me, that's been a temptation. And then when it comes to that conversation, I want to make sure I'm on the exact same page with that person. I think that's the biggest deal with physical intimacy. You yeah. guys need to make sure, have a very honest conversation and you guys need to be on the exact same page. And I mean the exact same page. You can't be on page three and him on page four. It's not going to work out. You guys both need to be on page three, whatever page three is. You need to be in agreement and be an understand why that is important to you guys. Um, cause I don't just believe in legalism. Like why is that important to your hearts? Why is that important to your relationship? What is the greater vision here? I think that's really important and keep accountable to that and get on the exact same page. I just went into a very deep physical boundaries conversation, but no. <laughs> that's kind of my ethic on how I, um, give advice in that capacity. Okay, um, you may or may not have an answer for this, but is there like a, and this is a unique conversation for every couple, but kind of like a 
a loose script. I feel like people don't know how to have this conversation. Like, Hey, boyfriend, I like you, you know, things are going good, but this is what's important to me. And again, I like what you say. It's not legalism. It's, it's what's the bigger picture. And I think again, it's like everybody has to figure out where you stand. Where do you lie in the spectrum of sexuality? Are you really suppressed to your sexuality? Are you really tempted? And where do you lie and what do you desire? I think that's really important to figure that out and why you desire whatever your sexual ethic is. Right. Um, and I, think then when it comes to having the conversation for me, because this is so important, I have it decently early on. So usually on a first date, I'm making a a note to the guy, like, just so you know, I don't kiss on a first date. That's just a thing for me. I want to put that out there so that at the end, there's no awkwardness and you don't feel rejected if I don't kiss you back, because that's just something for me that's a boundary. And it's not because I'm not interested in you. So I want you to know that. I say that on a first date to guys (laughs) Um, or I bring it up in a more subtle way, like, you know, and because I don't kiss on first dates and and then he picks up on it. It's like very clear. He's like, oh, oh, okay. She doesn't. Okay. You know? And so, but that's, you know, in the beginning, I'm not having physical boundary conversations on date one. Cause again, I'm just trying to get to know another person. I don't even know if I would seriously want to date them. Um, But in the first few dates, the first three dates, again, I'm not making out doing any of the kissing. I might hold hands. There might be a level of touching, but nothing like that's a little more intimate um, until maybe I'm exclusive. But once I decide where I am with that person, then if we decide to move forward in a level of exclusivity, meaning I'm off the dating apps, I'm not talking to anyone else. I'm deciding if I want to seriously date you as my boyfriend and I want to focus on just doing that. Then I bring up the physical boundaries conversation or I see if he does, you know, but I'm unashamed that if that's really, really a, a high temptation thing for me, I want to bring that up sooner rather than later because of the way that I function in that area. So I think a lot of this is nuanced to to knowing yourself, knowing where you land on the spectrum and what your ethic is and what your tendencies have been and and being able to then be real about that and and have conversations accordingly. I don't yeah, that's what that's what I think is important. No, I was just going to say that's so good because once you brought it out into the open, there's no confusion. There, there's no like, yeah, I not not that I don't like you. I just don't kiss on a first date. And that's so clear and so good to continue, to continue that conversation because you can like someone and not want to get in their pants <laughs> because not because you're not attracted to them. It's just because that's not what you want to do right now. Exactly. Exactly. And so I'm, I'm typically of the, of the, of the moral or I mean moral of the way of being more clear than not. So I mean, sometimes for better or for worse, I may be overly clear and that's part of my Enneagram three-ness, but I try to just keep pretty much things in the open um, so that we're on the same page. I just think that what happens so often in dating is we just really don't know. And if there's a really yeah. deep need, if we really need an answer, if we really need to make something clear, then we need to t- have a conversation, which might feel uncomfortable, but will be helpful in the long run. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so good. Okay. So um, I'm going off script. I have one more question if you yes. don't mind. If we can... Okay. So uh, again, you know, I talked to a lot of young people. I'm curious how we present ourselves. So like how we dress, mm-hmm. how we flirt, what we post on the internet, it, it, attracts or unattracts, or at least sets a tone of who you are. Mm. And I don't think a lot of girls think about that, especially when they're really young. Can you just kind of like shed some light on and what that might appear? 
Oh, man, girl, this goes into my whole conversation on body image. And I believe that this is a deep thing for women. And we are constantly inundated by influences of culture, influences of um, of the media, and then influences from our past, which also include maybe things people have said to us. So there are those main influences we have, cultural, then the media, aka social media and other medias, and the Kardashians being a big media yeah. in there. And then also, you know, what has happened to us in the past or what is people have people spoken over us? And so I think really being able to see like, why am I showing up in a place this way? Um, what is important to me? Like, for example, I love dressing. I mean, I love fashion. <laughs> I love dressing. I think we all yeah. should love dressing. We all need to wear clothes, but I yeah. love fashion. And that's oh, that's been ingrained for me since I was a young child. And so if I'm going to choose an outfit and show up in a certain way, because and I like to dress up, it's because that's just a, something I enjoy and it's a part of my personality. Um, and so, but I think that sometimes we just need to question, why am I doing this? Is it, am I doing this because I want to be seen a certain way? Am I doing this because I'm insecure about something? Am I doing this because everyone else is doing it and I think I need to do it? I think when it comes to dressing, it, when it comes to posting, when it comes to how, whatever we're presenting to the world, it all comes back to really dissecting what is my intention within this, you know, and why am I doing this? And sometimes if I'm being honest, like sometimes my intention is, oh, I want to feel validation or I want to 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 somebody to say something or I want to stand out or I want to feel sexy, right? And and sometimes I'm not saying it's not okay to feel sexy. I think it's great, but I think that sometimes we look for too much of that external validation and we just need to come back to really being real with ourselves. Why am I doing this and what is it for? Um, and I think that's probably the simplest way to answer that question on what we wear and what we post. It really comes back to an intentionality check within us. And if we're doing it for reasons that's pleasing to culture or to pleasing to the media or because it's trying to speak against some sort of lie we believe about ourselves, um, uh, then that's something to really look at, right? Very, very quick story here, Katie. Um, years ago, I was really insecure about my body shape because I was going through some autoimmune issues. And because of that, I got into this terrible habit of figuring out <laughs> the through the internet how to edit things on Photoshop. And I had photos that I would edit of myself very small small little bits until, and then I would only post the photos that were sl like slightly edited of my body. And I was like, oh, well, everyone else is doing it. So it's fine. But over time I realized, gosh, my intention is because I'm insecure deeply about the way I look and I need to address that first. Right. Or why am I posting this photo where I just like, I'm wearing a little bit too much X, Y, Z. Oh, it's because I want the validation and the attention. So I don't want to assume someone's uh, intention for why they post something or why they wear something. I really don't. I think that comes back to, and I don't want to judge that person. I think we just need to have a heart-to-heart -heart conversations with ourselves to say, why are we doing said thing? And what does God, again, what does God say about us? Like, what is my ethic of beauty? Oh my gosh, the ethic of sex, the ethic of beauty. But it really is what is that for us? What does God say about those things? How can I come into alignment with those things? And what has distorted my view of these things that are leading me to act in XYZ ways? Um, and so that would be ultimately like, you know, question what your intention is, what is your beauty ethic, what's distorted it, and how do you come back to what really is a healthy ethic on beauty and what God sees as beautiful? 
Oh my goodness. Everything is so good, Kate. I have just loved every ounce of everything you have shared today. Oh, holy smokes. Thank you, girl. Thanks for directing such a good conversation and even some of our random like side notes, which were really fun. Yeah, I think I think they're going to love this. I think that you have been such just a wealth of information and just shining a light on a confusing subject that is not often addressed in such a relatable and fun way. So I feel like God really is using you in this. So thank you for sharing. Thanks, Katie. Thanks so much. <laughs> of course. Can you just share with us real quick any like books, podcasts, trainings that you would recommend and also what you have to offer out there in the internet? Totally. So they can find me at heartofdating.com on Instagram. I'm at Kateness, K-A-I-T-N-E-S-S, not Katniss. I did this before Hunger Games. Um, <laughs> just need to clarify, everyone. This is my nickname. Yeah. But also, um, and at Heart of Dating on Instagram. And then, yeah, I do offer a heartbreak program a few times a year that they can go and sign up for. I'll give you the link to that so people can, like, if they want to sign up for the wait list, they can do that. Yeah. Um, but in terms of books or other resources, oh gosh, there are so many. If you want an amazing dating book, I love The Sacred Search by Gary Thomas, one of my favorites. Oh, me too. Um, I recommend that all the good. time. Yes, that is so good. And then an underrated book that I think is very profound is Dr. Henry Cloud's How to Get a Date Worth Keeping. Super easy. You can do it on Audible. Most people don't know about it. And it's basically he gives you a dating challenge. I uh, We talked about a few of the things that I've kind of interpreted from his book and share in new ways. But it's very, very, very good. And it basically gets women out of the mindset of I'm going to wait for a guy and there's no good guys out there. He challenges that completely. And it's incredible. Um, and then outside of that, I also don't just read dating books. I love things that really challenge my spiritual disciplines right now, a book I am just loving is this book by John Mark Comer called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And it's really a book to talk about how, what are, he says this quote, who are we becoming by the things that we are doing? And that has challenged me so profoundly (laughs) because we have a choice with every single thing we partake in during the days. And why are we doing those things? And who am I becoming by binging on Netflix? Who am I becoming by scrolling on Instagram? Who am I like truly? I mean, what, who am I becoming by these spiritual disciplines. I mean, scrolling on social media is a spiritual discipline in a way. He describes this more. I'm super challenged by that as a, as a person who is a social media person. That's my job in many ways. So yeah. it's been huge in the way I'm seeing my single life and taking advantage of Sabbath and new spiritual disciplines and really working on shaping spiritual disciplines in my life and my singleness that hopefully I can bring into my future marriage. So those are just a few things I would recommend for people. And then my last bit of recommendation for a book is don't just read self-help books, like really read something fun and creative for your mind. And so in the evenings before bed, I always read a novel and I think it's great. I think too often we're just being, we're consuming information and we have to allow our brains to also rest and be creative and have fun, creative outlets where we're not just learning and consuming. We're like going into a different story. And so I highly recommend finding a novel as well to read in the evenings or whenever you want. Um. That's good. I love novels. So I just want to repeat real quick, The Sacred Search by Gary Thomas, How to Get a Date Worth Keeping by Henry Cloud. And what was the one by yes, John Mark the Kramer? Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Nice. I like him. He has a lot of good stuff out there. 
Okay. So this is called the truth for your twenties. We like to close every podcast with the answer. If you could have coffee with your 20 year old self, what would you say? Gosh, I remember I saw this question. I was like, what am I going to say to that? Um, I would probably tell her like, sweet girl, you have everything you already need between yourself and God and your inner child, your soul, like stop looking for it everywhere else. You have everything you already need. I think it took my entire twenties to really figure that out. (laughs) And, um, so that's what I would say to myself. Um, nobody said that to me. I really wish I knew more the power of loving myself and having a deep relationship with God and also working through the things that happened to me as a child um, and saying like, with all these parts, I can do it. I can do it. You know, I can live my life. But I was looking for that validation through so many other people and specifically men. And I wish I knew that I already had everything I needed. Mm, drop that mic. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. I'm quite confident girls are just going to eat this up. You had so much wisdom and I'm just so thankful to be Aww, able to share it with thanks, our listeners. Thanks, Katie. This was such an honor. Thanks, ladies, for listening. Love you all, even though I don't know you. But Katie, thank you so much for pouring into the life of women in their 20s. I just, I love it. This is such pivotal years. It's literally was my favorite decade of my life. And so I'm just, everyone, this is, you are in a great season of your life, wherever you're at. This is a great time. A great time to be yes. alive. <laughs> hey, if you made it to the end of this podcast, that means we spent like 30 or 45 minutes together. That basically means we're best friends and best friends need to help each other out. So sister, I would love if you take a screenshot of this episode, put it out there on social media and tag me at Katie Bulmer life, because I would love to thank you, give you a virtual hug and make this friendship official. You sharing it with your friends are the reason this podcast is growing. You are the people who are helping it. And I'm so freaking thankful for you. Thanks for tuning in today, guys. I hope that you gain some truth for your 20s.